What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. It's Tuesday, February 6th, and we're excited to bring you episode 179 of the show. Today, we're launching into a new series. It's our first of the offseason. We're calling it Trending Topics, where Kate and I are going to discuss some of the biggest issues affecting the Sunbelt Conference and the G5 as a whole moving forward. But Kanan, I've got to know, I've been on the edge of my seat all weekend. How'd the golf lessons go? It went pretty good, Noah. They went pretty good. I have to give a shout out to my instructor, Mike. He got me right. I know how hard this game is. I've watched my teammates and good friends play golf throughout the year. So I'm coming into it with very low expectations, but the foundation and base has been set. I have something to build off of now. I'm excited for my future lessons and I, I'm not going to be a pro anytime soon. I'm not going to be, the tour is not going to be calling my name anytime soon, but just glad to get better at a new sport. And I'm, I'm definitely excited about it. I heard you had a big weekend up at Liberty too. Yeah, it was fun. Had a great time up at Liberty, called a couple of uh, good basketball games, even got to uh, do some hosting for hockey, which was a blast. I actually really enjoyed that, although my uh, my feet were frozen by the end of the night. But uh, <laughs> And then I got to call a great men's basketball game that, that went down to the wire. So it was a fun weekend. Uh, can't wait to do it again uh, in the weeks ahead. But uh, Kane, before we go any further, uh, we want to tell you, our listeners, uh, about our last episode. Kane and I were presented or we presented our final verdicts for 2023 we also debuted our very early on power rankings and I gotta say we've already gotten some pushback uh from a couple of teams Kane I saw you take a you know a couple blows on Twitter for your thoughts but if you missed it uh you want to go back and check out that episode wherever you consume this show but Kato, we're officially into the offseason. It's been such a blast covering the Sunbelt Conference for, for two consecutive seasons now. Viewership numbers uh, were through the roof. What a year. Honestly, it's been, partner. It's been a fantastic year. Just watching the growth of this conference in front of our eyes and having a front row seat to the action, being able to talk to the players, the coaches, the insiders, and really just covering this league the best we can. I feel like we've just been getting our return on an investment. It's been a great year for the Sunbelt Conference. We've been saying it's the best group of five conference for a while now. It's been validated by others in the college football space as well. And now that the season's over, just really looking forward to breaking down this conference more, the college football landscape as a whole more, because we're seeing some seismic changes across college football, across college athletics. And I think it's just an exciting time overall, not just for the Sunbelt, but just all of college football at the moment. Yeah, I think those are great points. And as we mentioned earlier on, uh, today we're kicking off our first off-season series. We're calling it Trending Topics. And our goal, Kate, and honestly with this series, it's pretty simple. And that's to discuss some of the key issues that are affecting the Sun Belt and its football league. Uh, today we're going to dive into a discussion revolving around the the new 12-team college football playoff. And uh, Kanan, I'm really excited about the the upcoming changes to the college football playoff. We have so much debate that goes on uh, for those of us who follow the sport of college football about who those four teams are. I think it's even going to be greatly expanded now that there's 12 teams. And I wanted to start with a little bit of just a history lesson for those maybe listening to the show that aren't as familiar kind of with the history of the college football playoff. It replaced the BCS back in 2014. I still remember those days. I remember watching you know, Texas win some of those games and uh, even Alabama multiple times. But uh, we have consistently seen the top four teams in the final CFP rankings compete for a national championship. Alabama won the most titles during this recent era with three. Michigan obviously won the most recent over Washington. But okay, now we're expanding to 12 teams in 2024, which means triple the excitement. And that's got to have you really excited. Definitely has me excited, Noah. The college football playoff being introduced, I remember it just like you did. And 
the four-team playoff just never seemed like the most logical way to go about this, especially with the Power Five being as strong as it was back in that time period. It just always seemed like an uneven number. We're worried about teams getting left out, and I think this last past football season definitely showed that we needed to expand to a 12-team model more than ever. So definitely excited about that. I always felt like football wasn't necessarily a tournament-style sport just because of how physical it is and having played it before. But going more closer and closer to that NFL model of just having the best teams play in a bracket, getting after it. I think it's going to be huge for the sport, huge for the group of five, the power five, the sport in general, as it continues to grow. And I just think the intrigue and the interest in college football because of this 12 team playoff is only going to skyrocket and expand this upcoming season in 2024. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, more college football games are not necessarily a bad thing. Let's talk format because you mentioned the 12 teams and you know, right now, going into this offseason, we have a six plus six model, which you and I were discussing a little bit before we started recording this episode, but it guarantees the top six highest ranked conference champions having access. So, for instance, kind of think about, you know, like if you look back to this last year, you'd have the five power five champions and then you would have had a team like Liberty. But with the Pac-12 kind of dissolving at this point, you would have your you know, four and then potentially two conference champions from the G5 level. So that's why there's a lot of momentum right now. And the expectation is that that probably is going to be changed this offseason to a five plus seven model, which would guarantee, you know, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, the ACC a spot. And then probably that that top ranked group of five team again this year, uh, it would have been uh, Liberty access. But Kate, in the first round games of this are going to be on campus and for instance, you know, if you look back to this last year, Liberty would have played at Florida State. And I have to admit the thought of a Sunbelt champion playing on the road in postseason ball at this time of year has me really excited. Yeah, it's an unprecedented thing when you look at the sport. I mean, the bowl games are always nice and they always represent kind of that championship level postseason high level of football. But being able to have these games on campuses for the teams that aren't going to be having that first round by those first four teams. It's just electric. And I think it's going to be huge for these campuses. Some teams, especially the smaller schools, if they do end up hosting, are going to have to adapt on the fly. But I can only imagine how elite these environments are going to be in some of the probably greatest stadiums and greatest stadium environments we have across the country, having the stakes be as high as they are now for the first time ever hosting games that have high stakes playoff potential. It's going to be electric, especially for these group of five teams, like you mentioned, whoever gets that bid in that spot, we're going to see those fan bases travel as well, be able to go to these campuses and watch these teams compete and really try to make history as some of the first teams probably at the group of five level to break through and make it to the next round and the next round of the playoffs. So definitely some exciting stuff as a fan, as a player, whoever has their fingerprints on the college football landscape, being able to host some of these games and just this playoff overall, I think is definitely going to be exciting for everybody. Yeah, Kato, to your point, you know, I think back and, and we have a lot of App State listeners. Obviously, you helped bring those to the podcast, but you think back to uh, an upset win over the University of Michigan. And I have to think that if something like that happened, so say App State was playing Florida State in the first round of a college football playoff in the future and they were able to win that game, uh, you probably it's going to have a similar feel to some of those great upsets of the past that we've seen for App State and, and a number uh, of Sunbelt schools. 
Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit off air as well. This is an ever-changing college football landscape. We're seeing the money have an impact with the NIL and the transfer portal and a lot of other topics we'll talk about in this series. But overall, it's the expectation right now that the bigger schools and the bigger programs across the nation are going to be able to afford with their budgets to get the best, best players in the country and kind of create a little bit of separation as far as recruiting goes. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a handful of group of five teams, just like there are every single year, I believe, that are going to be able to compete against the nation's top teams, go up against power five ranked teams. We see it every single year. There's a group of five teams that beat power five teams left and right in their non-conference schedule throughout the season. And I think these playoff games will be no different. And it will just add some more energy, given that not only you're beating a team that's favored to win in a game, you're beating them and eliminating them from the playoffs. It only raises the stakes. I think it's going to be great for fans, something to get excited about and great for the players as well, getting the opportunity to kind of double down. It's always exciting as a player at a group of five school to go and try to slay a giant, to go into someone else's house that has a bigger athletic budget than you, that has players that might be bigger, faster, stronger, but still be able to stand toe-to-toe with them and get those wins. And being able to do that now on the biggest stage with a ton of people watching on a playoff stage, I think it's only going to add the juice and excitement to some of these upsets. So you talk about it. That Michigan upset was great, but imagine if that was an upset sending Michigan home from a playoff. That's going to be great to see in the future, and I'm definitely excited about the opportunities some of these group of five teams overall are going to get in the playoff. Okay, then uh, you and your boys from Boone uh, during your career, you guys certainly slayed uh, quite a few Giants, so I respect uh, the opinion there. And I think you bring up an interesting point because you talk about the the money element uh, of things. And this, in college football, has become a huge business. I personally, Caden, I think one of my favorite podcasts, I just want to shout them out, the Joe Pomp Show. Um, They talk sports and business. And one of the things that was said recently on that show, they were talking about the state of, professional sports leagues uh, in North America. And I found this interesting that as of right now, college football is actually the second most, you know, followed, you know, we'll call it league uh, in North America. It's ahead of leagues like the NBA, the MLB, the MLS, uh, et cetera. These, you know, you think back to Christmas Day and we think about the domination of the NBA. Well, there were multiple bowl games this year outside of the college football playoff games that were actually had greater viewership than even the NBA Christmas Day game. So you can see the expansion of college football. And Caden, with this change to the 12-team college football playoff, the media rights deal is expected to be close to $2 billion, which would be about a you know two-time revenue multiple over the, the previous deal. So there's a ton of money here. And Kaden, when you look specifically at the Sun Belt, and you know maybe we could use a team like James Madison here as an example. If a JMU were to get into this college football playoff, it's going to be a major boost to them, not only in terms of the exposure that they're going to see by playing in this game, and that's God forbid they they go on and like pull up an upset uh, in the first round, but then the money that they're going to get out of playing in that game as well as for the conference, that that could be huge for the forward trajectory of a league like the Sun Belt. Yeah, there's no question that anyone who's tapped into college football right now understands the growth of it and how big of a sport it is. I mean, that's why I'm trying to write and talk about it for as long as I can right now, that's for sure, because I feel like the sport is going to continue skyrocketing and eventually get to the point where it's competing with the NFL or at least emerging with the NFL. We're seeing, along with the media deals like you're talking about, these student athletes are getting paid now. They're going to be faces of programs. They're going to be people that are having their careers well-documented from high school to college to the NFL level. So I think overall, the money in the sport is going up in every single angle. And when you talk about this 12-team playoff, 
it's going to be like getting a golden ticket for whichever group of five team is able to make that 12 team playoff. If they make it onto that stage, they're going to get more exposure than they've ever gotten before. You mentioned the media money. They're going to get that more than ever before. Even when we talked previously about App State beating Michigan, that's the kind of win that you look back and it affects the, the attendance of your school and the trajectory of your program and how many people even enroll into your program moving forward. And if you're a group of five team who is able to make it to that stage, you're going to see those same residual effects, maybe at an even higher level. You're going to have more cash. You're going to have more teams wanting to go to your school. So I think the opportunity for any group, group of five team to break through this 12 team playoff, just given the money and the trajectory of the sport, it's going to be huge for them. It's going to put them ahead as far as recruiting and a lot of other facility things, whatever, whatever you can do possibly and take advantage of. It's going to be a big opportunity for whatever group of five team gets to make it to the 12 team playoff. That's for sure. And we're on this podcast, definitely hoping that Sunbelt schools can get in there as much as they can in the next couple of years. Yeah, Caden, I think obviously the Sunbelt is uniquely positioned to, to be a conference. We spoke with Commissioner Gill uh, several episodes back about the positioning where the league is. Many have called this the premier group of five conference. So I think that the Sunbelt is uniquely positioned to perhaps put a team in. But can you say all of that? And for me, the the biggest maybe nervousness, a little bit of anxiety here, when you start talking about money, people get greedy. And we saw this last year where there was, you know, what I'm going to call an egregious exclusion. And that was keeping Florida State out of a four-team playoff when Jordan Travis went down with injury. This was an undefeated, you know, power five champion that did not get a chance. And, and let's be honest, I don't know how that game would have gone, but you still, you get between the white lines, you never know. But we saw what happened to them. And for me, I just have to ask, how many years are we away from a group of five champion being excluded from this new 12-team college football playoff? G5 teams, Gaten, when you look back to, to 2017, other than Tulane, versus USC, which we saw last year, are 1-5 in these New Year's Six games. We saw Liberty lose by 39 to Oregon uh, just this past January. My fear right now, if, if you had to ask me, is that eventually the G5 in the Sun Belt, they're going to lose their seat at the table here. That's definitely a huge fear of mine, and it definitely initially sparked when you saw Florida State get excluded from the four-team playoff this year. I mean, if the college football committee is willing to exclude an undefeated conference champion at the group of the Power Five level, just imagine what they're going to be willing to do once we get to this 12-team playoff when you get to that 12 or 13 seed. It depends on the model, like you mentioned before, the 6x6 six six or the 5x7 model. You could have those auto bids, but once these conferences like the SEC and the Big Ten continue growing in cachet, continue and growing in their competition, I think we're just going to see that take priority more than anything. When they excluded Florida State from the college football playoff, it's really the first time across all football where they said, okay, this is where records don't matter. Styles make fights. We would prefer to have an, a program like Alabama, who's a blue blood, who's been in this level and been in this conversation as far as winning championships multiple times over. We'd rather see them versus a team that may be more deserving. We can use the injury as an excuse. But I think that definitely set the precedent and the foundation moving forward in the 12-team playoff that we could in the future, see a universe where records don't necessarily matter. And I think in any universe like that, you have to account for being a group of five program not mattering either. So that's definitely a fear of mine as well going forward. It's definitely an interesting precedent, I think, to set going into the 12-team playoff. But I wouldn't be surprised looking at the future of college football, seeing, hey, 
the people who have the seats at the table, the real decision makers, they're going to want to see as many of these SEC and Big Ten programs in this college football as possible. They're going to be willing to do whatever it takes to do that. And I sadly think that do I do think that means eventually will we see we will see these group of five teams get pushed from the side and see the 12 team playoff almost be an exclusive thing with the nation's top programs, the top brands even, and the top coaches, players, and all of that stuff. Well, and Kane, let's use another Sunbelt example here. Imagine if Troy was the, the highest ranked group of five champion and LSU was sitting at number 13, say, if you're the decision makers here, you're not going to get as good a viewership if Troy's in the college football playoff as if LSU's playing Florida State in round one. So I think it's interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see moving forward how how those decisions factor into things. Hopefully, you know, at least for the next couple of years, uh, we're still going to see a G5 team in. I can just tell you, that with how rapidly things are changing in college football, despite what you know many people want, I think in the future that's going to change. And Kaden, this is a great way to segue into a very interesting topic that was brought up this past week. It's been bandied about for a little bit, uh, but I was listening to uh, the late kick with with Josh Payton, and he had some interesting comments he talked about the obvious tiers that are developing uh in college football so you always had the fbs and the fcs but pretty soon we're about to be at a set of tiers where maybe you know the top 30 to 40 teams are kind of in a power two power three type of tier then you have everybody else and then you still have the fcs level and the other thing he talked about and he actually specifically mentioned coastal carolina and louisiana is just some of the vastly different uh, strength of schedules. I, you look at a Liberty team that was in the New Year's Six this year. They had the worst strength of schedule in all of Division One FBS football. Um, and Caden, you know, kind of following up with some of this, I, you know, Adam Brenneman, who's a, a well-respected voice uh, around college football, a very young voice right now. He talked about the resources, and he spoke with UAB's head coach Trent Dilfer earlier this year, and he talked about how that program has about a $700,000 NIL budget. And then you look at some of the reported numbers we've seen from Ohio State of close to $13 million, and there's no denying that there, there's a there's a massive gap here. And you have to wonder if at some point, Kate, and I've been dancing around it, but would we consider a group of five playoff? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, though. And I think these next couple of years are going to be what determines that. We talk in the past about how the money in this sport with NIL and the rise of that is definitely creating a financial gap between the haves and have nots of college football. There are certain programs that have a way bigger budget, a way bigger NIL collective, and they will be able to acquire the nation's top talent and create and kind of separate themselves from some of the middle tier or lower tier, not only just power five teams, but then the group of five as well. So I think moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see if that money pays off, we're talking about this gap that's going to be created with the divide in money from program to program. But at the end of the day, if we get in between those white lines and some of these programs who put a ton of money into their recruiting, lose some of these big games, we might see a seismic shift and it might not be as drastic as we thought. But if we do see a situation where the top teams who have the top donor bases are getting the top players and completely wiping out the competition year in and year out, then we're going to see that divide and maybe we should consider maybe separating the group of five from the power five as far as a playoff goes. But I think as far as getting between those white lines, there's going to be upset potential, I think, forever. But we get to, if we get to the point where there are no more upsets in college football because there's such a big divide between the big dogs in the recruiting space, the donor base and the brands versus everybody else, then maybe we should consider going to a playoff. And I think that possibility is an exciting one. I think a bracket of all of the best teams 
at the group of five level is an exciting possibility and exciting alternative if the power five and some of the top programs continue to separate themselves. But overall, I think it's something that's going to be sorted out in the next couple of years. You mentioned the success or the lack thereof of the group of five teams in the Cotton Bowl. If that gap starts to narrow a little bit, maybe we'll see it get to the point where we still encourage group of five teams to get in this 12 team playoff. And we see that the college football space is just as competitive as it was before. But if we see a divide in the next couple of years, then maybe it is time to pivot to having yet another separation. Like we saw between the FBS and the FCS with the group of five or the power five or the haves or the have nots. We just don't know how this is going to play out. There might be a handful, 15, 20 programs that have a huge leg up over the rest. And they have to divide it there. We could even see some of the mid-level or lower-level Power 5 teams have to take a step back as far as what they're able to do in competing with these big teams. But at the end of the day, I think these next three or four years are going to be really determines how the future of college football looks as far as the postseason goes. Yeah, Kane, I think it's interesting. And, and I don't think I'm ready to, to take a, a doom and gloom look and say that you're not going to see group of five teams defeat, you know, quote-unquote Power 5 or whatever we're going to call it uh, in this new landscape of college football. You mean... You think of App State taking down Texas A&M two years ago. You think of Marshall taking down Notre Dame. You think of Georgia Southern over Nebraska. So there is plenty of evidence that even these programs, I mean, specifically, you think of that Texas A&M program and the, the, the NIL war chest that they supposedly have that, you know, smaller schools can, can still win those games. Anything can happen once you put, you know, groups of guys in, in between those white lines. But Kane, just for sake of this discussion here, I went back and looked at the final AP poll this last year and grabbed the top 12 G5 teams. And, and this is the list. SMU, Liberty, Tulane, James Madison, Memphis, Troy, Air Force, Toledo, Miami of Ohio, UTSA, Wyoming, and App State. How much fun would a group of five playoff, perhaps maybe you play the first two rounds on campus, maybe the top four teams, a SMU, Liberty, Tulane, and James Madison get first round buys. How much fun would that be to see some of these premier programs go head to head for a, a potential championship? It'd be fun, no, and it'd be well documented. I think when you look at how the college football landscape is changing, people who know college football know that that's going to be some real exciting and fun ball to watch. And I think people will tune in for that. Sports betting is only rising too. So people are going to be looking for a reason to bet and watch any kind of football they can. And I just think there's a ton of potential with that. We talked about maybe there's still being one group of five team that gets that golden ticket to perform at the highest level in that 12 team college football playoff. Obviously the revenue you're going to get from that is, is priceless, but then the rest of these teams could comp potentially compete in their own playoff and you could continue having the bowl tie-ins. There's plenty of bowl games. You can still have these teams be able to play at neutral sites in the bowl games that we commonly see Sunbelt, Mac, all the different bowl tie-ins that we already have. We can still continue to see bowl games played in this tournament style for the, for the, for the group of five. And I think it'd be very watchable. It'd be very exciting to watch. And I think just like the 12 team college football playoff is going to generate its own revenue and buzz, a 12 team playoff with the best group of five teams would do the same thing. It would put good on good competition against one another and ultimately get given opportunity for the group of five teams to just crown themselves a champion and have something to hang their hats on in the off season to help them with recruiting exposure, all that different stuff. So I think there's a ton of potential with the idea for sure. A lot of it again is going to depend on how these next couple of years go, but it's definitely an exciting opportunity and a good alternative to, to the people who may think that the changes in college football are all negatives for the group of five. I think this would be a great positive way to turn on that and maybe turn over a new leaf and a new era of college football. Well, Kane, I think it's going to be unique to and fascinating to watch over the next couple of years because, you know, some of the earlier reports that we have seen about this college football playoff is that ESPN is going to have the rights to the entire thing. And, and that leaves out some some major companies. You think of a, a Fox, you think of a CBS Sports that 
will not have access to, to show those games. And you have to wonder if one of those two companies perhaps, you know, tries to get involved and create something. We've seen, obviously, super conferences formed because of media money. So I don't think it's too crazy to think of an additional playoff maybe being formed because of uh, media money. So I think it's going to be fascinating. And uh, that's why we're starting the conversation now of talking about what the future of all of this might look like. I think it's important for fans of the Sun Belt and Group of Five Leagues as a whole to not be naive about the future because it is changing. And unfortunately, it might not involve the Group of Five uh, in the future, but uh, we'll certainly see you know, how things play out in the coming years. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. We hope you all enjoyed the show. Don't forget, we're coming back on Thursday. We're continuing our trending topic series with a discussion surrounding the transfer portal and its positive and even negative effects on Sunbelt football. Make sure you join us. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie in Smith podcast. Before you go, here's one thing you can do for us. Head over to our YouTube channel. Hit subscribe on our recently launched Prairie in Smith YouTube page. Help us help you by continuing to grow this show into the premier destination for Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again on Thursday.